What's up, everybody? This is Illiterate. This week, we are covering the broad umbrella of multiverse theory. My name is Evan. I just checked out Chippendale Rescue Rangers. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Taylor, and I looked into all sorts of scientific theories this week. Something that we've noticed. This trend is hotter than ever. It's been with us for a while, but recently, a ton of titles have come out revolving around multiverse theory. The Marvel movies obviously have gone into that realm. So much money has been moved on the back of these types of stories. I want to know more about where this really lies, where this came from. So we're kind of looked at a lot of these titles. We're going to try to trace back exactly what in the world this thought was, where it started, how we've, how we depicted this before and maybe why now we are stuck in this, (laughs) in this cycle of thinking about wanting to be somewhere else and Um, merging really fascinating. Yeah. It's almost like, to borrow a horrible analogy, but like putting a frog in water and then slowly bringing up the boiling. Cause it's like, how did we get so accustomed to Dr. Strange broke $800 million this past (laughs) week. But it's like, if you presented that to somebody even 10 years ago, they'd be like, no, this seems to, this is the most bizarre, freakish, outlandish thing. I know. We've covered on the show before, like comic book movies in general on their face were seen as a, as a huge, huge risk. Even after Batman 89 through the 90s into X-Men 2000, it's that on its face was viewed as, as a, whoa, we don't, this could be, this could be career killers. But now we're so bold and brazen with, with that genre that we are willing to just at, like a black hole, take any and all ideas, and they're all valid, and we can jump between all of them uh, simultaneously. <laughs> now we're resurrecting. Now Tommy McGuire's about. Oh my god, uh, it's it's insane. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 in, in particular with the Spider-Man movie, I, you know, I, I got to check that out when it came to to streaming. I I was left with this sense of the sadness for the character, the iteration that that is the Tom Holland version, not because Tom Holland, Tom Holland's greatest Spider-Man, but in, in total, I definitely was seeing it as, wow, this iteration of the character is helplessly weak. How did we end up here where we need these other versions to make this version feel valid and authentic and, and relevant even? It, the whole movie on its face seemed like a, almost a sad admission that uh, right. that we as a culture are stuck. <laughs> but it's got, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into all of that, as Evan said, like what our personal summation of maybe why the cultural context has changed with this for it to be so prolific. Because even in the independent, there's everything everywhere all at once also just came out, which has been doing very well. Still breaking records. Yeah. I mean, um, it's A24's most successful movie at this point. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So so that's why, just to name, it's not just the superhero stuff. It's all over the place. And, no, uh, I mean, I'm looking at a list of titles right here, and it just it <laughs> ranges, man. This stuff that, like, you you know, on the face, oh, yeah, obviously. And then uh, you have to go, like, oh, wait, oh, yeah, of course. You know, like, you don't consider, like, Space Jam 2 or spe- just Space Jam in, in general, <laughs> right, obviously. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, like, and then you think of it, well, oh, obviously. And then you start to think of things like, oh, The Mist, you know, the, <laughs> the mm-hmm. Stephen King film. It's like, oh, the creatures come from another 
They come from another realm, a parallel Dimension, world. Yeah. Oh, that's all the Cloverfield movies. That's a, you're, <laughs> you start to look down this list. I'm like, oh, my God, this is a, it's been on the back door of a lot of things. And now we are bringing it the idea, the concept itself. Another if there's another place, another version of us that is full front and center in our <laughs> in our narrative now. Yeah. Having all that said, let's start with the science, because that's where it actually starts in a mm. thoughtful, not, not, it's not just about how long can we string these intellectual properties along. Um, right. And the guy who started all this also has a pretty interesting life. So I figured it'd be worth talking about him and understanding yeah. why. This is 1957. Hugh Everett is the man's name of Princeton, he proposed that parallel universes coexist. This is what was called later the many worlds theory or many worlds interpretation. And his jam at the time is the developing field of quantum material science. I looked into this. I am not a mathematician or a physicist. This will be the kindergarten probably wrong, <laughs> like specific <laughs> version, but right. in general to explain it to a layman audience such as myself and yourself, this is <laughs> this is gonna be what he was dealing with. So quantum particles, tiny, tiny, tiny particles, pieces of atoms, when they're being measured or looked at, it looks like they're in a specific place, but it's only when you look at them, the mm -hmm. uncertainty principle of like, we know that they're in different, what they call superpositions. So in terms and of- the And the trees in the forest place. scream when we're not yeah. around. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah, <laughs> to, the, to that point, so it's like, why don't we see that in macroscopic <laughs> things? Like we know that it's happening on the right. subatomic level, but why isn't my Coke bottle across the room when I'm not <laughs> in the room? You know, like, I guess we can't know, but it's kind of like, we know that that's happening. But yeah, we you'd think somebody would have seen some trees screaming or the moon flying across right. the sky. So this then is another term you've probably heard of, Schrodinger and his mm -hmm. cat and his equations. So his his math and science is that the quantum particles is what would be in a wave function, which would be all possible configurations, probabilities in a smooth pattern mm -hmm. defining where these quantum particles or when they would be or any of that stuff. But like I said, good Lord, when we measure it, the wave function collapses and the alternative is arbitrary. Oh, that's where the electron is. And that's how it's spinning. And so the Copenhagen interpretation is the solution to this, which means the mechanics work in the microscopic, not the macroscopic. It's like two different mm -hmm. things. Everett is not for this at all. And so now we get to his piece and where he's coming in. He's saying, well, why don't we just merge it all together? So we have the observer and the system. Let's put them together. The observer is a part of the system. It's all a single quantum system. So where you're saying, well, you can't have a Coke bottle over here and over there. No, you can. Large objects are also in superpositions and the wave doesn't have to collapse. So it's like, what if it's branching with every alternative when you pick up your toast and you choose butter or jam? Well, there is a, a reality where you chose jam and in that branch, every single, so there's Good billions Lord. and billions, like an infinite amount of universes being created in milliseconds every single time anything happens anywhere, which seems like an overly complicated solution to <laughs> this like problem. like a hot computer. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what he's proposing our our reality is. And so wow. this was not taken well by the physicist community of the late 50s. And he was pretty much shunned and banned and left the field and worked. Tarred for, and feathered. 
Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And even still, I mean, it's kind of a thing where it's like, this is one of the debates and some people think it's a genius idea and some people in the higher ups in the science community say, this is a joke. What is even the point? How could we figure this out? Even if you could test it, you know, like we can't. So some people are like, it's just a fun thought Mm -hmm. experiment, but we're trying to figure things out. So when he left, he worked for the Pentagon through Eisenhower in the Cold War, did a lot of math to help the U.S. government and specifically the military okay. probabilities of nuclear armament and tons of crazy right. stuff like that. Right. But he was a he was a heavy alcoholic, went to drinking, died of a heart attack when he was fifty one. Oh man. His and this Young. this is yeah an interesting piece connecting to entertainment and culture in a way. So his son Mark found him because he was drunk and had a heart attack. And mm-hmm. his son was like, when I went to shake him to like see if he what he what was happening, it was like I don't think I had ever touched him before that. Like he was just such an absent, lost. Oh my gosh! Father, he also had a, a daughter. So Elizabeth, Mark's sister, struggled with suicide, and she overdosed in '96 with a note saying she was going to join her father in another universe. Oh my gosh! This son, Mark at a certain point, moved to Los Angeles and became a songwriter. And I was surprised because I knew this band. I don't know if you know Rock in the early 2000s, but he's the lead singer for the band Eels. Are you familiar mm. with them at all? No, I don't think so. I'm yeah, sure. it's more, it's like in a ton of movies mm-hmm. and stuff, that song My Beloved Monster in Shrek when they're starting to fall in love. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow, um, wow, okay. But the f- yeah, the father of the many worlds theory, his son is the lead singer for Eels. Wow. Which okay. <laughs> I didn't realize, like, it seems like it's so far out there, but it's actually quite close in time. Yeah, to... that, like, contextualizes, you know, the son of the guy is on <laughs> the Shrek soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, it's. I mean, it's a sad story, but I could imagine if, if this was, almost in the, like, our... Uh, Philip K. Dick episode. It's like if this these sort yes. of almost nihilistic mathematical concepts are consuming you. Yes, yes. It it would it would be tough. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, I had watched a um, a documentary on Hulu uh, a couple months ago called "A Glitch in the Matrix," and it's oh, I've all seen about, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's it's one of the most riveting things I've seen recently, in, in terms of the documentary space. And it's all, it brings up all of Philip K. Dick's uh, theories. It's stuck on that press conference he held when they thought he was going to talk about a book. And he's just talking about like the other worlds, the other realms, and what's really going on beyond our perception. And it's, it, it for anybody out there who doesn't know that I, I, I recommend the movie, but I'd recommend it with caution because it is pretty dark. Uh, and it gets, yeah. and it gets dark in, in, in a, in a pretty uh, visceral way. Because what we're talking about, while we, while I think while I brought up, we, you know, at the beginning, we want to be somewhere where you know this didn't happen. That can go the other direction, and so the glitch in the matrix talks about really all of that, which I had not considered so much of the darkness of it, um, but it seems so obvious now on the other side of the thought. Yeah, it can right. take a dark place. Yeah, um, yeah. So with this whole many worlds thing not getting much traction. It did gain a little bit in the 70s because of this idea of decoherence, which again, I'm not going to be the greatest at explaining, but it's a 
a variation. Maybe the particles are observing each other. So it's, it is technically all one thing, but the second particles collide, it banishes the quantum ambiguity. So it's why hmm. there's a moon, even if you're not looking at it. It's like, because, well, if everything's all together and we're all in one wave function, then that's how the the Coke bottle can still be there because all of those particles are interacting and observing each other. Yeah, it's and all so, being observed, yeah. yeah Who's the yeah. observer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The other side of things is not the physics side of things, but more the, the cosmological. So in 79, this guy, Alan Guth, developed the theory of cosmic inflation, which we talk about with the Big Bang and speeding up the expansion of the universe. But Somehow in the science and math, there's these ideas of these bubbled regions of the universe where the laws of physics behave differently, sort of like a quilt blanket with different mm. squares of mm -hmm. the unobservable universe that it's like, oh, yeah, atomic bombs might not even be physically possible in that in that universe. So good luck. Yeah. Both of these things are in, in tandem in the science world. And Stephen Hawking before his death was a huge proponent of these sorts of alternate realities wasn't Did there a movie any, about him, like, yeah. almost titled Everything Everywhere all the time? <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the theory, theory of, of everything. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the everything yeah. theory, yeah. Yeah, it's what, it's what science is all about now. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's flip over to fiction because it does interweave mm. with this. Please. As far as the, the alternate universes, and this is just something that, that Marvel does, which might start getting confusing to people, is the difference between these – multiverse alternate universes and then alternate dimensions because in myth there were definitely alternate dimensions heaven hell olympus valhalla but these are not right. alternate universes it's just different realities within the universe if that makes sense so it's like right. thor is the making god of a distinction thunder. between the two is important here because at first i didn't understand what you mean but that makes total sense uh, because they're in one, all of that is happening concurrently in the same timeline, a universal you know, multiverse <laughs> yeah. theory. Those are different timelines branching out from each other, not running parallel. Right. Where Thor is in Valhalla and crossing the Bifrost Bridge, that's happening with Iron Man on Earth. But it, but exactly, it's a different, exactly. but there's a different Thor and a different Valhalla somewhere else, or it's not Thor, it's low, you know, it just gets That's so con a so, multiverse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, in terms of that kind of thing, the first big example is actually quite recent. It's this guy, Murray Leinster, and it is a short story in Astounding Stories magazine in 1934 hmm, called, okay. and the thing was called Sidewise in Time. Sidewise, yeah, yeah. You're going <laughs> like if the uh, if the we are now traveling sidewise through time. Welcome <laughs> to the twice, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, and so that was his thing, where like the time is the same. You're not going, you're not going through time. It's that the alternate dimensions, which really throws people for a loop. It's like it is the same time, but it's a different universe. So all these alternate versions of history are popping up in the U.S., where a certain part of it suddenly the Roman legion is there because the Roman empire never fell apart. And so they appear oh, in St. Louis, Missouri, and there are Vikings in Massachusetts because they conquered before the pilgrims got there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But this guy Leinster didn't really, I mean, he was just like pulp sci-fi writer. You've never heard of him before <laughs> because he was just <laughs> on that magazine game. What was the trend? He wrote Westerns. He gotcha. did everything in that churn. Gotcha. And then the last thing with him, this guy, 
Leinster was not his real name. He had a whole other side life being a inventor of technology as well. And this ties into our media world. His inventor name was William F. Jenkins. That's his real name. And he invented and patented front projection, which revolutionized film. It was used in the ape scene in 2001, A Space Odyssey was used for Christopher Reeve's Superman flying sequences. They, I mean, it, an updated version of it was used in Spectre, the James Bond film. It's uh, oh wow, they really oh cool. I love yeah, when so, I love when they still are able to 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 make things like that work. Yeah, so it's like uh, it's like rear projection, but it's front projection. So it's great mm-hmm. because the mm-hmm. subject can see what they're acting behind. And now it's the LED stuff for Mandalorian and whatnot. That's like the full room and they're in like of, the 3d dome yeah 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 but he uh he started kind of revolutionizing the the projection wow. scene in, ho- in hollywood awesome. with wow. that but as far as getting the the media out beyond just the sci-fi pulp stuff comics popularized which we talked about if you want to go back and listen to our justice league episode mm-hmm. with gardner fox this was the flash of two worlds if you remember yeah where they had to sort of fix the fact that they had two different flashes and they didn't really explain why <laughs> there was another one. Um, hey, wait a minute. And just to make sense of it, 61 is four years after Everett comes out with his thing at Princeton. Wow. So whether or not they're connected, you know, it's, it's, it's out pre- there. He predates it, yeah. Yeah. But the first use of the word multiverse, because it's not in that, comes mm-hmm. from a book in 63, Michael Moorcock. He has written tons and tons and tons of fantasy, sci-fi type stuff. He, he, he knew about this. Like he expressly said, oh yeah, I was inspired by the many worlds interpretation in, in science, the air oh, of yeah. the time. One of his best friends was an editor of the New Scientist magazine. Okay. So he doesn't get any credit for <laughs> the word multiverse, even though he... You know, I, I guess he didn't have the prescience to trademark it or whatever because Marvel would owe him, DC would owe Dang. him a ton of money. Um, <laughs> but uh, all that kind of led me to think about, in a broader stroke, sort of the evolution of connecting these things to our world. In the in the earlier stuff with, because we could almost say all sorts of stories are alternate dimensions of our current reality. Um, right. You can make the argument. In terms of... Like, why is this coming up in science in the 50s? For a long time, geography was not that conclusive. Map making was horrible, et cetera. And so in large part, people didn't travel beyond villages, their own villages, you know, that kind of thing. So it was like Mm -hmm. the idea of an alternate dimension really was still relegated to just like an untraveled. So like Gulliver's Travels could be argued, but it's more it's like, oh, we just traveled to a land that we had no knowledge of. Yeah. Oz, Wizard of Oz, it's just this mystical place surrounded by well, a like desert. This, yeah. It seems like this root human thing. Well, what happens in the room when I leave it? Uh, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> what's what's outside of the village just beyond the woods? You know, like, well, yeah. you know, what happens in the woods when we're not around? You know, what is what else could be out there? And so I see where the metaphor could be drawn of like, well, the traveling beyond the woods to the mm-hmm. other towns and cities and, that you know, like that could be traversing other realms and dimensions and so forth. Um, that was just my per- perception because with more 
worldly awareness, then the transition becomes a portal or an artifact. So the big one being like C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. They go right, through this right, wardrobe. Right. And where is that? It's not in the wardrobe, but it's also not right. in England. You know, it's it is so further down the line in history, the alternate reality becomes in a dream or an altered state like HP Lo- mm-hmm. like you don't need the portal or the artifact. HP Lovecraft, Philip K. Dick, right. and then Color with that space. Yeah. And then cyberspace itself, virtual reality, the matrix simulations yes, were in yes, <laughs> that yes. kind. So you can see how it, it just collapses closer and closer to the individual. You should check out our episodes on all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, we've got, except for C.S. Lewis, but literally everything yeah. else we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll put them. I'll put them in the show notes for for easy access. Yeah. The big thing that it's been in, which is why it's so big with Marvel, is comics before we were born, as we said. Right with the Justice League and Justice Society and whatnot. And then the also the idea that uh, the narrative in comic can very casually be restarted or run parallel of each other. You can, mm-hmm. th- that version of Superman is done. Now we got this version of Superman. It's like, <laughs> and we got the kid version of Spider-Man and we got the adult. Yeah. It, that, that seemed pretty cavalier back in the day. And, and at least in a way it introduced these ideas of these different iterations of characters. So if I walk into the comic book store and I see three different versions of Batman in cool, my own yeah. head, just automatically my zeitgeist, I'm, I'm accepting all these uh-huh. different iterations of these characters exist in their own, re- you know, like not exist, but like they are in their own realms connected, but not connected. They're the same character, but not how do I reconcile that just yeah. as a kid in the comic book store? I can't. <laughs> so I'm going to accept without even thinking about it that like, oh, well, you know, they're probably all connected. I'm not, that's, that's a zeitgeist yeah. thought above any real conscious thought. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking to that, like you're saying, it's like, how do I reckon with this? It does become so unwieldy. So DC was the huge you know, problem child when it came to this. In 1985, they had this whole epic series called Crisis on Infinite Earths because they needed something to reform the continuity. Like things are just getting way too confusing and conflicting. And this person is actually their own mother from this time. Like it was off the rails. So they just went back to the start, (laughs) the beginning and characters are fighting against and team up with doubles from other worlds. And it's just, they're like, this is a clean slate. We're starting over. There's one Batman. There's one, you know, all of that happened in 85. But of course, it it came back and it got moved around. And now it's all over the place again in the comics. And so that's what people worry about with in the world of cinema where they're pulling in from the comic book stuff. It's like the people that have been in the comic scene are like, this is what happens when things start to fall apart, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, we, we've been on this ship. <laughs> and it's been rebooted nine times and it just, it always falls to entropy. It's every yeah. time. So I think with the, what, what progressed with the film stuff is just the combining of them. Hence, the, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe was the craziest thing. It was more than Harry Potter where it was just told linear, linearly in a sequence over seven movies. It was like, oh my God, Iron Man is in the same world as it's Thor. another one. Where is Hogwarts? America. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that they were all like a shared universe was insane in 2008 when Nick Fury pops up at the end. But that's such old yeah. news now. Who cares about a shared I know, universe? I know. <laughs> you know that these movies happen in the same place? Whatever. Um, they had to up the ante with the multiverse, which has treated the comics, a lot of people say. I, I, well, yeah. uh, this, might, this is a completely divorced thought. I just hate that through this notion of connecting all these things, they completely ruined 
the post credit scene as yeah. if that is like an entirely Marvel thing. It's like they they took what like every once in a while could just happen when you go mm-hmm. to the movies, and now it's like if you do it, you're thought to be caught. caught and now you, you don't do it. Now you just don't do it because Marvel does it. <laughs> it is the post credit scene That's and the mid credit scene and the end tag scene. Yeah, God, it's an outrageous. It's so out. It's so overdone that nobody else will touch it anymore. And I'm so sad because it's just like as just in cinema, it was fun, and then Marvel just kind of took it and wouldn't have let anyone else play with it. <laughs> they they brought they brought us full force into it, and people loved it. Let's let's talk about the different cultural theories for this increase as it's slowly progressed from the from the 50s onward to now yeah, please, um, yeah i think there's a couple different reasons that it has exploded first one being mental and so to me this is kind of like the age of the internet and information exploding and so right. how can we handle this now it's like well we've been handling far too much information for the past 20 years <laughs> right there's so many stories already colliding and things are not as solid as they used to be. And so we're fine with Rick and Morty and Stranger Things and different dimensions and all of that because that's how it feels right. now. One of the things with this increase in information, certainly people have heard of the Mandela effect where right. some people believe that he died in prison and then no, he did not. And how did all of that happen? Some people are like, oh, well, this Aaron's- is proof of... Stain bears. <laughs> yeah. Stain Stein bears. Yeah. Yeah, bears. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, all <laughs> oh of that God. stuff. Fruit Loops, is it fruit or OOT? Yeah, nobody knows. Oh, God, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so all of that stuff, so, you know, people are like, oh, it's quantum fluctuations, or I slipped through to an altered dimension, you know, certain pe- it's, or it was when the CERN How do I know when I wake up in the morning, I'm not in a new timeline, Taylor? Yeah. How do I know I didn't die in the old one? I, oh, God. So that's, <laughs> and- a book that I read recently called The 90s, I'll post a link to oh, it. sick. A, yeah. <laughs> a big, a big th- theory that he's bringing up is the fact that all of these Mandela effect type situations happen in the liminal space between the 90s and the 2000s, the start of the internet, because before that, you would just be like, well, I don't know. Or you'd argue about it, mm. and then whatever most of the table thought was right, that was fine. But it's just right when we're getting the ability to catalog an infinite amount of information that the scrutiny and the questioning starts to come up about one's remembrance of things. Because there's no Mandela effect about what happened to the Knights of the Round Table, (laughs) you know, because it's like, well, that's just information that was not cataloged in the moment. Uh, Right, right. So like all of the Mandela effect stuff is cult pop culture could have forgot stuff from the 90s or late 80s. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting too, where it's like, well, why are we getting all this multiverse stuff? And it's like, cause that's how it, there's, it already feels like there's so much yeah. information. From all sides, yeah. Out there. <laughs> An onslaught. Yeah. <laughs> the next thing being the logistical side of things, which is the shrewd business side, like with DC Comics, where it's like, it's getting too confusing. We're losing money. <laughs> we gotta keep the copyright, <laughs> you know, all of this stuff. This isn't selling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring in the old Spider-Man. That's going to get people going enough. And we're seeing Yeah, I mean, I was works. shocked. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing I expected, to be honest, firing up Ra- Rescue Rangers was that for the for that to be a movie where I was the target audience. That was the absolute right. <laughs> last thing I expected and I was just like this is sad. This is sad. Again, this is an admission of just like where we are because they know exactly that they can't reboot that to the younger generation as those characters the the way to sell it 
right now, the way to cash in on it is to sell it to the generation who was watching the old show. And who we're going to get to voice him? John Mulaney. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I, I really was shocked. I thought I, I thought it was a kid's movie, basically. But, you know, because I don't mm-hmm. I don't preface anything, really. I, I, I try not to, like, yeah. grow, like preconceived notions about things before i go into and so i was shocked when I'm, i realized really quickly that this is geared for me a you know a late 20 year old like, <laughs> like I, this is referential all over the place the, the comedy is for me they're casting it for me uh and that is a statement of where we are with property that we can't let go of uh, the idea of how many uh, where these characters actually exist because this whole thing as you know gets meta uh, you know <laughs> as if we weren't meta enough last week with the staircase it's like now okay chip and dale were on a sh- that was the show and this is the behind the scenes of their relationship <laughs> yeah it's and it's also some people might say oh it's a love letter to who framed roger rabbit which we we covered but it's I like mean, you sure have to, yeah i mean you would have had to get have, me wrong yeah. I lit my lit up when I mm-hmm. saw Roger Rabbit and it's voiced <laughs> by the guy. And I said, there, oh my God. But like, that did not like, okay, I clicked on it on Disney plus. I'm not going to the theater for the two seconds and one line of Roger <laughs> Rabbit. Like I'm, 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 I'm offended. Yeah. I'm almost at the same time. I'm just as happy to see Roger Rabbit as I was Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I, there's, <laughs> yes, I do want those things, but like, I really would rather them have their own movies or like you risk this money on something worth yeah. the risk that's original. Well, that, that's a that's a beautiful segue here to sort of our TED talk of the whole thing, which I think all of it ties into risk. And this is more of the cultural side that I tried to find articles on, couldn't really. So this is kind of our original thoughts on why <laughs> this is happening. This so is a question. Now. I mean, you guys talk at us because like th- yeah. this, this is, you know, usually we're talking specific titles. This is much less that in terms of like the idea that it seems to just be dominating. I mean, how many movies even just this year have come out talking about this exact, <laughs> this thing. So yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, maybe there's, there's a lot here that I'm sure that we're missing, but there's a lot here that I hope that maybe like people haven't considered, or at least yeah. like, we're, we're starting to like open a conversation of something that they've like wandered in their head without voicing. I don't know. The thing that I think maybe this stems from is the collective uncertainty of our future, globally, politically, environmentally, culturally, right. which maybe you could say started with 9-11 in right. the US, but the pandemic yeah, we've was- covered yeah. That in, yeah, we've covered this kind of notion, the, 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 the societal like depression or the in when we've talked about superhero movies yeah. um, in terms of just like at post 9-11 looking for a savior, looking for a hero. Um, yeah. And, but and I, think, I have been thinking about this, no, this idea, this notion <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. I think the pandemic, though, is the full manifestation of the existential question of our reaction not to create new heroes, but we're emulating old ones or we're building back up or we're remixing and cobbling back in this sludge of comfort from before and i think that's like we cannot imagine the future so we take solace in the old in slightly new ways or imagine alternate realities that take different paths i even saw mcdonald's had this kind of like remix your sandwiches and you could put a fish fillet on a big mac it was like um I yeah. thought I saw that too. I I re, I think I did I I did somewhere consider the notion that like I'm in some sort of like cartoon hell timeline. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's cuz it, that's the thing. It expands out. It's not just the movies that we're watching. It's almost like we can't imagine something new 
the the cognitive dissonance comes from what was happening before, which is we think we're heroes, we're told to be heroes, but we want to be saved. That's you know I, I hate to bring up my hero academia again, but like I, I've, I that's where this comes in on the superhero front of just like I, I we want to be saved, but who are standing up to you know what are we talking about in terms of what our morals are? I <laughs> I'm sad that we are all left wa- waiting for Superman. You know that's the, that's the problem, and it, yeah. And, and I don't know what the answer to that is. All I know is that we are all somehow sitting around waiting for waiting for something to change. Um, and we and can't. So we worse. imagine yeah. an alternate reality where something is different. Yeah. I, I think the, the culmination, perhaps, of tying it back into risk, maybe in a way also in this span of time, shown the value of new and innovative processes. Oh, the taxi industry is gone. Welcome Uber and Lyft and everything else. Like there's so much that changed, but then now we're seeing its destructive unsustainability. Oh, you can't just have massive factory farms. Like there's a ton of uh, pressure being like, hey, look, new is better, new is better. And then we get burned and we're told we can't survive. And so risk takes the fall in that. And there's a dissonance because it doesn't seem worth it anymore, but it's how we got to everything we have. So right. all we can do is play it safe and have what we know masked as something new. And that's my TED talk God. about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, no, I'm just, yeah. Uh, it's, it, it really is a, an interesting place to be. This is now, I feel like the third or fourth time we've walked, we've walked up against this, this realm that our culture in particular, maybe the world is, you know, looking externally for, for help. We're looking for here. We're looking for somebody to look to. We're looking for leaders. They're, they're hard to come by these days. So that, that's, I I think a huge part of the helplessness that people are feeling that I think leads to this type of storytelling, uh, this kind of, uh, Ouroboros style storytelling out of that. I see so few opportunities to find, things that will have a lasting staying impact and create a new, you know, a, a new relevant classic that, you know, like I, I, I hate to think that the idea of all of the best is behind us. And yet that seems to be so much of the muck that we're trot we're trudging through is that the best is, is behind us. The, the good things can only come of what we have now. Um, yeah. I, and I think that's a very mis, that's such a misplaced place to wind up. Yeah. Well, let's let's not wind up there with this. I do have We're one not, sort of, you know. Wha- just... Yeah. Well, I have one wackadoodle kind of uh maybe not other reason <laughs> why all this stuff is happening and uh it might be because it's actually happening. Like we are rising to a level of conscious understanding of multiverses and parallel dimensions and like how yeah that's true it's like, the other side of the coin is what if it's all real <laughs> right you know, and this, this is, is sort of the simulation yeah or this is the prep for that it's like how could a caveman understand the 405 freeway in los angeles well are we going to get to the place where we do understand a unified consciousness or multiple dimensions or whatever it's like Maybe right. this is helping us in a thousand years to orient Cope to the perceptions that, yeah. of of truth. Um, hey, man, if we can derive out of this the idea that we are all connected, hey, I'm I'm right there <laughs> for it. I'm right there with you, buddy. Oh my yeah. god, uh, 
yeah, if maybe that is at the root of all of it, maybe we feel so uh, alone and that if, if somehow through this type of storytelling, we can connect each other, we can find yeah. each other. Uh, I think that's hope. I think that's something to look forward to. That's a that's a glimmer, a silver lining that I, I, I think could very well be there. Yeah, even if it isn't true and we're not all one entity floating in the no i'm just talking about the nature of this (laughs) very right exactly yeah yeah i'm just talking about the nature of this type of storytelling the more we continue to to beat this out in storytelling and and understand each other through character and plot uh can we push a a deeper understanding of how we all affect each other (laughs) right here right now in this timeline through multiverse theory i think that's an interesting notion and that's that's and more positive place yeah (laughs) yeah it could be great it could be an evolution of storytelling and our perception of people versus a to b to c too bad i'm just i i hate to drag us down i'm just merely acknowledging (laughs) almost the tragedy in it not 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 resounding it to that not minimizing it solely to that but uh, accepting that that is part of now what uh, yeah. and I think that that we have we get to see there are going to be more of these types of stories told that we're going to realize more about ourselves and and why we can't get past the idea of wanting to be somewhere where that didn't happen, whatever that was. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Fascinating. What do you guys think? Yeah. Are you sick of multiverse stuff already? Or are you excited to see what comes from it? I tell you, I I hate I didn't get to see everything everywhere all at once yet. I really wanted to see that to prep for this. I just was not able to cram for it. But I feel like that that's going to have in it the themes, uh, the morals, mm-hmm. everything that I think of maybe I was missing in this episode. You know, <laughs> in Chip and Dale. Um, so I wanted, yeah, yeah. right? And, and no, yeah. And, and while Chip and Dale, I think ultimately was like, like I said, is a little bit of admission of where the character is. It was at the same time fun. I just, yeah. I just was so off put. This is gonna be, oh my god no 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 why'd you do this uh, but, but no there's there's there will be more there will be more there will be more yeah. there will yeah. be more and there will we will grow yet <laughs> beautiful reach out to us at illiterate pod on instagram or illiterate pod at gmail.com with any questions comments curse words corrections uh please yeah remember please rate if you haven't already, uh, and, and share uh, share an episode if there's uh, one that makes you think of somebody. And we will see you next week. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Stay safe. Stay safe.